is good. I really, really love the worship this morning. Kind of want to encourage us as a church and say, actually, that's why we gather. That's the reason. That's why we gather. We gather to worship. We love them. Amen. Everything else man has developed. No, if we can lose ourselves in that, every time we come together, we come together to love Him, to honor Him, amen? Two, two things in that atmosphere. One, love other faith. Do you know that you worship in faith? Everything we do, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we come together to just, in faith, to worship Him in the atmosphere of love because when he fills all in all, then love just fills all in all. We're surrounded by love. And uh, something better than that. Amen. And so I just want to encourage us, you know, get, gathering together as the church, it was always meant to, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck with uh, just the journey of the exodus out of, out of Egypt. No sound, but, oh, there, I'm back again. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was stuck, but I'm not. I am no longer. I am free. I'm found. I'm found. And um, what I loved there is, it's not going into the whole story, but Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go that they may go and worship me in the desert. That's the essence. Let my people go. Get them out of slavery so they can go and worship me. That's why we were freed from slavery, from this world, from Egypt, from all the things, was so that we were free to just love Him and worship Him. There's a beautiful um, couple of lines. I'll, I must get to what I'm going to preach on, but um, where is it? In Luke, Luke chapter 1, Luke. It reminded me, Luke just reminded me. Luke chapter 1. When you go to, I think it's round about the verses 46, 47, around there, it's Mary. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Don't you just love that? Mary has just uh, had a, an encounter with the Lord and he's told her something that's unbelievable and hard to fathom. I mean, we, we kind of, I think, skip over this part that of just the realization that sometimes in God, this touches my heart, sometimes in God, He tells you to do something that will cost you for the rest of your life. She would be ever be known as a woman who may have just been a little bit but he gave her this revelation that she would have the privilege of birthing Jesus Christ into this world. And my soul magnifies the Lord. You know, it's a, an interesting one because magnify the Lord is, how do you make God bigger? He's huge. But magnifying the Lord, because in my soul area, every part of me wants to run. Every part of me is screaming, saying, what? 
I don't know, man. And are you going to say I'm going to be pregnant? And I mean, do you know what people think? Do you know what people do? Do you know my culture? Do you know what they say? My soul was, ah. And my soul began to magnify the Lord. I made him huge. I made him bigger. I made him who he really is. How many know that a magnifying glass doesn't actually make the thing bigger? It is the same size, but it magnifies it to you. You, so God just becomes huge. You just go, my soul magnifies you. My spirit rejoices. Magnifying glass is an amazing thing. How many of us know? It's a couple of little things it can do. Some of us were naughty with it. Um, <laughs> I won't say anymore, but um, you can also concentrate things. Burn things up in your life. When you magnify the Lord, you can just boom things away in your life. He becomes so big. That's worship, friends. That's just glorifying Him. That's giving Him His rightful place. You see, worship is actually a spiritual activity. That's why John chapter 4, 23, 24, when it says we worship the Lord, God is now looking for worshipers that worship Him in spirit and truth. In spirit, not just because we sing in tongues. It's talking about in the spirit because it's an activity of the spirit because God is spirit. It's an activity of the spirit. So when we come before him, it's a heart and a voice or body thing. So when we come together for worship, it's not just a voice thing. It's also a heart, a spiritual uh, action that we do, that we take place. And as we do that, so we encounter him, so he gets big, so he begins to move, so people get healed, get set free, and God begins to minister, share, deliver, set free, do all those things. That's called church. It's a whole bunch of people just worshiping and loving God, and it's got nothing to do with the building. Nothing. Zero, zero, nada, nothing to do with the building. So I want to preach on this morning, the start of something we're going to preach on for the next couple of weeks. It's called the Unstoppable Church. I want to say over the last couple of weeks, we've been um, ministering and sharing a lot out of Ephesians, um, and a lot of it comes uh, out of Colossians as well. It's the same concept. Ephesians and Colossians are very similar books. They have the same. You can literally track the two of them together. It's very beautiful. It's like Joshua chapter 1 and, and Psalms 1. You can track it all the way through. You can track also with Ephesians and, and Colossians. But the reality of Ephesians is actually just explaining to us who we really are. That we are unstoppable. That we are amazing. That we're glorious. That we're beautiful. That we have Jesus inside of us. And actually by yourself, you are nothing. And with Him, you are everything. And to Him be the glory. And our life is just an expression of all about Him and just Jesus, 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 and just be glorified, be lifted up, and have your way, and it's going to be awesome. Amen. That, that's literally it in a nutshell. But what happens is, is kind of we walk through life and we have experiences and things that happen in our life and certain things that have been established, and we battle with that revelation or that reality, and our only default mechanism is either to not aim so high because... Hope deferred makes the heart sick, so, so we, we, we aim lower, or we justify why we are where we are. And I don't know about you, but I, I think as I've got older, I've just realized that um, I don't have time for that anymore. 
really either the word is true, let God be true and every other man be made a liar, or I don't want to use my wisdom and my clever little understanding and my natural thinking to try and bring God down to my understanding or my way of, of operating. That's why God's ways are higher than our ways. It's as the heavens are above the earth. He's just, he's just God, and, and however he wants to do it, just you do it, Lord. I just want to surrender. I just want to believe. I want to just follow you. So we're on that journey as a church. It, we want to become the unstoppable church. I want to be the church that God's called us to be. And I know there's certain things that God is wanting us to journey on as a church. Uh, no reflection or anything to anybody else, whatever God's called them to do in any other church. This isn't a comparison. This isn't competing. This isn't, uh, we're going to do this and this, we've got it right and they've got it wrong or that, that. This is just simply this congregation, this body, what God has placed on my heart and Jane's heart, what God has called us to do. Because God wants us to rise up and be the unstoppable church. Amen. As he wants his whole church to, but just what God's got for us. So actually, uh, Rosemary doesn't realize how prophetic um, she was being in that next weekend, next Sunday, I'm going to share the strategy that God gave me for us to outwork this. Um, so it's going to be fire and incense and then fire and, <laughs> and glory incense uh, on the Sunday morning as well, what we're launching into. Um, so I just want to bring maybe some kind of a platform or some kind of a thought processes in this morning in light of all that. So yes, do not miss next weekend. Uh, just sleep here the whole weekend. It's fine. Um, we'll just go all the way through. I don't even know if we'll stop on Saturday. Who knows? I don't know if we'll just ever stop. Amen. Do you know that all the great revivals, you know, that often they would go and they'd have one meeting and it'll become two and some of them would go, I uh, uh, thought, wow, this could last all week. And it lasted, do you know that the, um, and I forget what they call it, um, but anyway, in Toronto, uh, I don't want to call it the Toronto Blessing, but anyway, the, whatever it was called, they changed, it started off, whatever it was, um, do you know that they really thought, wow, this, God just showed up, it was phenomenal, and they just thought, wow, I, this could last all week. Do you know that it's been 20 years? Because <laughs> when God shows up, who knows? It's just a hungry bunch of people that are just loving Him, just worshiping Him. How many know that it's so easy to come to church when we're just coming to just worship and love Him? How many know it's fun? How many know it's lacquer? How many know when you include a whole bunch of other stuff, then suddenly church becomes a little bit of a schlep? It's a little bit of a like, oh, I've got to now go to church or whatever. Or we really are religious and quite dedicated and we're going to church because it's ticking a box and we have to. And potentially, maybe it might make me feel good for the week. But how many know church is, is not a building, it's not a place, it's a group of people. And how many know it's like so exciting to just get together and to just worship Him? No agendas, no everything else, no big politics, no big history and, and, and histrionics and, and all kinds of other things. Just loving Him, it's such a joy. And because we love each other, hopefully I'll get there this morning. Anyway. Let me, just, let me just say this, Unstoppable Church. I wrote something down. I just wrote it as God gave it to me. I was just writing it down. And I want you to kind of hear this and then just meditate on it. I'm not going to preach or teach on it this morning. But I, I just want you to hear, hear the word of the Lord. I believe the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And I believe his name is Jesus. I believe if you believe in the word, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow 
the Word. You become one with the Word, become the body of the Word and the embodiment of the Word. I believe that when you give your life to the Word, you die and the Spirit of the Word rises you up from the dead and you become a new creation. No longer you living, but the Word living inside of you. I believe that the Word is living and active. I believe that the Word is truth. I believe that the Word is the way. Not just a way, but the way. And the Word is also the expression of life. I don't believe we can pick and choose what we believe and what we don't believe about the Word. What we follow and what we don't follow about the Word. I believe that signs and wonders follow the preaching of the Word. I believe that the Word does not return empty-handed, but always accomplishes its purpose. I believe the Word cannot fail. I believe the Word is love and light and salt. I believe the Word is empowered by the Spirit. I want to say at the end, I love the Word. <laughs> the Word. Now, we could put Jesus in there and, and, uh, and try and, but you get what I'm trying to share. I'm trying to share that the Word, the Word. There's so many things happening, so much stuff that's going on, friends, right now. We have the Word. Not just a word, but the word. Not just externally, but internally. Living and active inside of our lives. Empowered by our Holy Spirit. That's why I love my favorite scripture in the whole world, in the Bible. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Our God, the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. And then just a little part of the end to help us because God was with him. <coughs> you and I are the Word, anointed by God the Father with the Holy Spirit and power. And we as a group of people just go around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the enemy. Why? Because when you look at us, God is with us. Amen? That's the church. That's what they look like. That's who they are. Everything else, man-made. So go with me to Acts chapter 2. I don't know where I will 
get to where I'm going here. To be honest, I'm just just driving along. I'm just I'm just excited. I really am excited to be alive. Not just literally because my heart's beating. I'm just excited to be alive because I just have a sense in my heart God's about to do something amazing and wonderful. And I get to be part of the generation that He does it in. And I pray that I'm part of the ones that He does it through. Amen. As are all of us because He's not a respective person and we're all the same. All you've got to do is love Him and put your hand up. Sometimes all you've got to do is nothing. Sometimes He just picks you and you didn't even want to be picked. So where? But you can also be hungry and say, Lord, you know, let me, let me put my hands and give you, try and get your attention even more. But just a hunger, just a faith, just a love for him. He just, he's so much of him and so much that he wants to do in and through our lives that you're all picked. Amen. And I believe he's picked us as a church. Probably because we're insignificant or small or, or nobody here's big shot. Probably. But who cares? As long as we put our hand up and say, yes, Lord, I believe he just wants to do something. And so I believe that there's a, there's a stirring in, in God's heart. And I believe there's a journey that he's about to embark with us, which I want to encourage you and say, it's a journey of the Bible, but it's not necessarily a journey of this world or worldview. And so I want to encourage you as believers. I think you're going to have to love Jesus to go on this journey with us. You'll have to wait till next week for me to tell you. But I'm just, I want to maybe ask yourself this question. Is, it was amazing how the children of Israel were in Egypt and they were slaves. They were having to make bricks and they were doing all the work for the, because the Egyptians thought they were big shots and, and they, were, they were the main mana. There was an incredible hierarchy in, in Egypt. And, uh, and then there was, the, these, these are our slaves, you know. That's why he found it hard to, get, to release them. Because then who would do the stuff? Because I'm above that, right? So these guys were genuine, genuine slaves. Um, this isn't just a, a little funny story. This, they, were, they were in slavery. They were in bondage. And I want to tell you today that um, Babylon is as wicked and as vicious as Egypt. Because when you read in Revelations, it's Babylon that falls, Babylon that gets cooked. Babylon is a representation of this world and its systems. Honestly, without Jesus, you are a serious slave. And you might not realize it, but you are. You get up in the morning, you have to face traffic, you have to go through a whole bunch of traffic, you have to taxis hooting at you, whatever, and you have to go into an environment where there's bosses who don't necessarily appreciate your work, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening, and you're kind of a working, and you're just working as a cycle to pay for stuff and do a bunch of stuff, it's pretty much slavery. And there's just a handful of big shots who don't even understand, really, the slaves. You see, you've got to understand who what you've been redeemed out of. See, what the enemy does is over time, he tries to water it all down. And we never forget what we've redeemed out of. God redeemed us out of Egypt. Going to work now is not the same. You are not a slave. You no longer work for your boss, who could be a total. The reality is I work for Jesus. 
My life is now different, completely different. I get the privilege of moving in spheres where I can minister and speak to people. I, it's, I, I'm not there because of, I'm a slave that I have to earn an income. Come on, we've got to change this mentality or understanding. It's, we are not slaves anymore. But out there, there's a slave world. It's just, it's just you're having to go through a whole bunch of processes. And see, I'm never going to get very far on this. Sorry. Getting to Acts chapter 2. But um, the reality is in Egypt, they were slaves, right? And then God comes and redeems them out of Egypt. But I, what I love, I just love this. And maybe you've never read it like this. And maybe just, just allow me a little bit of license here this morning. I just love that God wants to take them out of Egypt into the desert. No, when I got born again, I wasn't going, uh, I got born again to uh, get a bit better in my life. Because God promised me a whole bunch of things. When I get born again, I want a promotion. I want advancement. I want this, I want that. And God can actually bless me and give me. Hold on a minute. The children of Israel were redeemed out of Egypt and they went into the desert. And there actually was a shortcut but that involved a bit of battles and of fighting. And so actually, read it, it's in the Bible. They, they had to say, no, no, let's not go there. They're not quite ready for that. Because if they went into that straight away, uh, they probably would have got a bit script or whatever and decided, let's, let's not so lacquer. So they take them on a slightly longer journey, but they take them through the desert. What happens in the desert? They get tested. They get tested because they've come out of Egypt, but the slave mentality is still in there. The mindset is still that they have to work. So then it's, have you brought us out here to die? We look, look at my tongue. It's just like swollen. There's no water. And God says, bing. Let me give you water out the rock. Who's the rock? It's in the Bible, actually. There's 1 Corinthians 10. talks about the rock was following them. Trust me, unless you're in Hollywood, whatever, it wasn't a rock who was following them. <laughs> Come on. It was Jesus, right? <laughs> Jesus is the rock, okay? <laughs> he's, he's, he's everything. <laughs> so he's following them. And they just... The rock and water comes out. They get water. Do they have to go and search and go and dig and big fancy things and work? He just gave them water. Amen. Then suddenly, oh no, now we, we're aching after the pots, the meat pots and the, all the nice things that we had. And because we're starving or we're hungry, we, we love, oh, we start looking back at Egypt. As soon as things get difficult with the people of God, what happens? They want to look back and go, you know what, it wasn't so bad. Actually, slavery wasn't so bad. I wonder how it makes God feel. Oh, no, slavery actually, I'd rather. Well, I'll tell you how it makes him feel. He goes, no, I can do it for you. He's amazing. Isn't he amazing? He's a beautiful father. Not like, oh, stick you. Okay, well, you go find your own food or whatever. No, a father, he just goes, Really? Really, you, 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 you don't get it yet, so we're going to journey some more because you're actually looking back at slavery and you, you know what I mean? 
Sometimes even the people of God, it's in the Bible, people of God, they look there and they go, but check there, look at those guys, they're evil, look, they, he got promotion and he did this, whatever, and that, and you know, why, why should I do all this and we when actually look at those oaks, they got the blessing. Not even a comparison, <laughs> they're in slavery, they're getting a short little burst of, man, I've moved into an eternal place of love and redemption, grace and beauty, Amen. Anyway, so what, yeah, my story, storytelling today. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm moving on. So, so, so here God says, listen, why don't I just give you some um, manna, magnificent manna, it's like a, tastes like honey. And, and you come out in the morning and you collect the manna and, uh, and then he gets a wind and he blows and all the poor quails are busy doing its thing. Then suddenly, and then takes all the quails and suddenly they all arrive there. And now in the evening, whatever, yes, just quails, quails, quails. You just have just walk outside. <laughs> meat, baby. I've got meat. Lacquer meat. Lots of meat so they can chow all they want. Lovely meat. Ons gaan nou braai, ja. Ons gaan nou braai, manna. Grab those quails. And then in the morning, they go get the manna. And then God says to him, listen now, trust me. I want you to know who I am. I am the one who's looking after you. You haven't to sweat or work hard. I've given you the manna. I've given you the, the, the meat for the evening. Um, don't worry, I'll do the same for you tomorrow. So don't, you don't have to collect for more than one day. Because if you collect for more than one day, what do people do? Off they go out there, collect one, go, collect some more. The next morning there's the worms in it, all froth. God's going, hmm. Then on the sixth day, he says, listen, on the sixth day, you can collect twice as much. Because on the Sabbath, zero collecting. Sabbath, we rest, give it to the Lord. Amen? What happens is, people, they collect the two, the next day, guess what? The second part is, no worms. Perfect for the next day. But guess what? Some people decide, let's go out on the Sabbath, let's go collect some stuff. There's nothing there. God's going, it's taking a while. <laughs> have to journey some more, a little bit again. Let's get some understanding here. What's the understanding, friends? The simple understanding is that we come out of Egypt. We get a revelation, understanding that it is all about Him. We put Him first, seek first, the rest just comes into order. That's been the journey all along, friends. It's just to get to that place where Jesus, it's all you. Not me, it's all you. I just... That's why we have to journey often. We journey because we have to get an understanding and a revelation inside of us because our minds have been infiltrated by Egypt. There's a, there's a, a, a beautiful um, parable in the Bible. Um, if I can find where it is now. Uh, Mark, I think it's Mark. Mark chapter 8. It's not a parable, but it's a story. Let's call it a story. A real live story. Let me just quickly ca catch you up on the whole story. Simply put is this. In Mark chapter 8, um, Jesus, uh, people all gathered around. Jesus uh, says, uh, what have we got to feed these people? They say, we've got seven loaves. Okay, takes the seven loaves, blesses them, pff, multiplies it to the people. How many fish you got? Got a few fish. Um, takes the few fish, blesses it, multiplies to the people, and they gather seven baskets. Se seven thousand, seven thousand, seven baskets, 
um, he feeds. So this is not the this is not the five loaves and two fishes. This is another time now where he feeds the multitude, right? He's fed the multitude. Everyone's blessed. Whatever they climb in the boat, they go across to the other side. As they get to the other side, the Pharisees come. And the Pharisees now hounding Jesus, and they're trying to find an argument, and they want to say, give us a sign, give us a sign, give us a sign. And Jesus says, why, this generation wants a sign. This generation will not be given a sign. Climbs in the boat and heads off to the, back to the other side again. Um, when they're in the boat and they're traveling there, the disciples suddenly realize, we've only got one loaf of bread. And, uh, and then Jesus says, interesting words, he says, beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples go, yeah, I knew, I knew, we didn't have enough bread. And he starts, they start talking about bread. And then he goes, guys, 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 let's, let's pull in, yeah? Let's gather around. How long must I have to just like explain this to you guys? Did you not remember? Five loaves and two fishes, did you see what I did? Do you not remember now what just happened? How many baskets were left over? Do you not understand? He's trying to get them to understand something happened here. Five loaves and two fishes put into Jesus' hand. Not only did he meet the needs miraculously, but there was extra left over. Another opportunity, not only did he take the loaves and the fishes and meet the needs, but there was left over. Are we not catching the miracles of God must bring a new revelation, a new perspective, a new understanding in our world? Our worldview, our world understanding, right? But sneaked in all of that is a little catch for us to understand in terms of our worldview. You get the political spirit, you get the religious spirit, and you get God's spirit. They're all creating a worldview. Do we understand that as a church? They're all creating a worldview. We live in that environment, in that realm where they all three are trying to speak to us. And that's why we want to come back and say, this is what we follow. The Word, not these worldviews. So when we look at beware, he's telling us, watch out for the leaven. What's leaven? Leaven is influence. Beware of the worldview of Herod. What is Herod uh, uh, representing? Political, the political system. The political system, friends, is a humanistic system. It's a humanistic view. It's about the glorifying man. It's, a, it's all about man. The political system, friends, doesn't mind that you and I go to church. And I've said it that way purposefully because that's exactly what the political spirit doesn't mind. It doesn't mind that you go to church. Doesn't mind. You can come to the building. What it doesn't want is anything to come out of the building. It doesn't want your belief in God to infiltrate into life and every sphere of life. It doesn't like that. It's nervous of that because it's about elevating man. And then the, the leaven of the Pharisees obviously is the religious spirit. And the religious spirit also has no problem with you believing in God. As long as that God is impersonal and powerless and cannot speak. So both of them do not mind you and I going to church. 
They do not mind you going to a building. But they want you, number one, to be working and striving at trying to achieve or do something with this powerless, ineffective, impersonal God, or they want you to just go to a place and do your little thing, but don't affect or infiltrate outside of that arena. That's a political and religious spirit, friends, and it's speaking loud in the days that we're living in right now. Where we have to realize that, bless you, we have to realize that and we have to go back to the Word and we're gonna say we, we want the Spirit of God to rule and reign over our lives. We want the Spirit of God to uh, take over and renew our mind with our thinking, amen? See, a, 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 a religious spirit, what a religious spirit wants to do is it wants to punish, it wants to, it wants to show its zeal through judgment. A religious spirit. Look, you take the example of the woman caught in adultery, brought before Jesus. What do they all have in their hands? We are zealous for uh, so you, God. We're going to judgment. We want to nail, we want to judge. The religious spirit always wants to judge. Whereas the political spirit is, is, wants to punish through isolation. So Pontius Pilate, hey people, I can't find anything wrong with Jesus. I think I'm gonna have to let him go. Hold on a minute, if you let him go, we're gonna get upset. We're gonna go tell Caesar and you're a Wally and, and you're gonna be in trouble and maybe you're gonna lose your position of power, what have you. And he goes, ooh, okay, hold on a minute. I wash myself of this. I distance myself from that, from this. See, that, that's a political spirit. See, a political spirit wants to isolate you, wants, to, wants you to feel alone, like you're the only guy that's doing it. Like, oh, I can't be right, or I don't want to be alone. I'm, I'm, I like to be amongst the group, and so let me just become a yes man. See, these are the things that are trying to bombard us and infiltrate us. We've got to be careful as a church. The way we think and the way we operate, our actions, we've got to be careful what's influencing it. A political spirit, a religious spirit, or Holy Spirit. Right? Do you know what activates leaven? Heat. As Max will tell you, you put the bread in the oven. And what happens? That's how you activate heat. See, so what happens is you turn up the heater and leaven is activated in your and my life. And that's how we find out how much leaven is in our lives. And that's not to judge. That's not to nail us. That's so that we can repent. That's so we can look at it and go, I don't want that. I want to be led by Holy Spirit. So sometimes God puts the heat up in my life um, things are happening, whatever, and that, and what comes out, the immediate thing that comes out is, yeah, it's the woman you gave me. <laughs> That's what happened. That's what Adam said. Adam, <laughs> that was too loud a laugh. You're in trouble now. It was Adam straight away. Adam, what's happening, whatever? It's that woman you gave me. 
And we go to e- Eve, what's happening with him? And she goes, it's that serpent. <laughs> it's always, it's someone else. You see, it comes out. It's like, no, I want to say, Lord, I want to stand before you and say, whatever's influencing my life that's not of you, I want to dealt with. Because I want my thinking to be right, right? I want him to now lead me and to direct me. Amen. Okay, so, we haven't even got to this, but. Acts chapter 2, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 really is just simply the start of the church, okay? It's where the church was birthed. Acts chapter 2, you can go quickly to verse 41, uh, or you can even start at verse 40 and say, with many other words he bore witness, so that's Peter, Pentecost, Spirit of the Lord's come down, uh, filled them all powerfully, He's declared, spoken a whole bunch of stuff to the, to the people. The same people that had crucified Jesus now are hearing the word. And when they're hearing the word, they cut to the heart. I love this. And so it says, um, save yourselves from this crooked generation, verse 40. So those who received his word... Those who received his word were baptized. Earlier, you had Herod who gladly listened to the word. And it changed nothing. But here, they received the word. And it says, and they were baptized. You see, when you receive the word, the word becomes alive and there's a response and an activation always in response to the word. And what they did is then they responded and they were baptized, which was an illustration of them dying to self. We know, we understand baptism as a church, that a response to receiving the word, they were baptized. And the Bible says here, um, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. It's very beautiful. 3,000 souls. Can you imagine that? Just a group of people, just by the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Woo, and uh, they begin, Peter stands up there, the same guy that denied Jesus, the same guy that was a little bit of a mess. Now with Holy Spirit, now this mess has come into a bit of order here. And now he begins to declare and speak whatever, and 3,000 people respond. 3,000. I want you to picture, I'm I'm keep going on about this. I want you to understand something. In the Jerusalem uh, uh, temple, friends, it was quite a big temple, but there was a whole lot of stuff that needed to happen in the temple. And um, there was a a routine and a ritual that needed to happen. And they they used to come to the temple and be in the outer courts where they used to do the sacrifices and all of that. Um, as far as theologians, as far as hist- history can understand it, friends, um, that even though the temple curtain was split in two, they sewed it back up again and they continued with their rituals because they did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, right? So, all I want to say to you is that people will res- return back to their routine of, uh, of sacrifices and doing a whole bunch of stuff at the temple, um, but 3,000 people have got to know Jesus and got saved here. And friends, the reality of that temple is it could not handle 3,000 people. Just so we get that picture in our heads um, as I'm going on now. 
And then verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So 3,000 people come uh, and get saved, friends, and now there's this community of believers who've dedicated themselves to four things, friends. They've dedicated themselves to the Word. They've dedicated themselves to fellowship, their togetherness. They've dedicated themselves to the breaking of bread, and they've dedicated themselves to prayer. But they were all together, friends. Now, there were 3,000 of them, and God was adding to their number daily. So they couldn't all gather in the temple. So the Bible says that if they went to the temple every single day. And then there was fellowship and breaking of bread and they were all together and had one mind, whatever. They were selling things, sharing with one another. There was a togetherness, understanding here that it's very hard to see in the church today, anywhere, what they had. Now, walk with me in this understanding. I'm not saying that we, uh, uh, you like, to have this, you have to go to the building of wherever your church meets every single day. I'm trying to explain something here. They were going, they were, there was a whole pile of them and they were going there every day. Understand this, understand this, this is the, the way the Lord shared it with me, is they were not going there to a meeting place. They were going there to meet So when we hear the temple, we think of a building, of a place where all the believers come to to worship God. What happened here is the temple was uh, built and, and put in place for the old rituals to happen, friends. They were going to the temple daily to meet with fellow believers and be together with fellow believers. And not only that, but also meeting in, the, in, in people's houses. There's, a, there's a, an understanding here of a commitment and of a life that happened when, I got, when they got born again. They understood the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world for them. When they were cut to the heart, when they received the word, they realized, wow, what God had done for them, who they were, friends. Everything else became insignificant, friends. Suddenly, it was about being together with fellow believers, ones that think and act and operate exactly the same way. There was a communion and a union that took place between all of them, and they just wanted to be together. I could say this right now, and I don't know if it will go down with understanding, but let me just say it. There's a reason why the lion is not sitting on the throne for eternity. The lamb sits on the throne for eternity. Check me out. 
Because we need to get a revelation for eternity of the grace of God and what it costs God. What it costs the lamb, friends. When you understand what it costs the lamb, nothing is mine anymore. When it costs the lamb, my life is about being with you, helping you, standing with you, encouraging you. It's about togetherness. It's about fellowship. And lest I ever forget, it's about breaking of bread, of a covenant with God, but a covenant with each other. Selling my possessions to take care that there would no, be no needy one amongst us. And prayer, friends, prayer and worship go hand in hand. Prayer, just the ability that God has opened for us to be able to commune with Him, be able to speak into the realms of the Spirit, be able to love Him and allow Him to come and commune and this open doorway of communication and uh, just fellowship with God is it's beautiful and so people don't understand that so I've got to be around people that do understand that amen it's very quiet let me let me go another text and just say it like this there's an amazing scripture in the Bible it's found in Romans if you just quickly go to Romans chapter 5 how are we doing for time oh I must land Romans chapter 5 this plane is so full of fuel, it's just, it's not wanting to land, but it could travel for a long time. But I, I, we, We'll unpack this, but uh, don't you just love Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Man, that epitomizes for me the, the heart of God, what He wants for us. God wants us to reign in life. And how do we reign in life? Well, how do you reign in life? You must attend church for at least three years. You must do the, the, the um, basic concepts course a few times to really get it down pat. He says, the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Whoa, that freaks me out. The abundance of grace. God, you want me to reign in life. How do you want me to reign in life? What do I need to do? What, what's the stressful thing? That's why, do you know that's why the, the, the priest had to wear linen, by the way? Did you know that? The priests had to wear linen because in those days, friends, they, they actually weren't allowed to sweat. See, wool is a bit. Why? Because God doesn't tolerate sweat. No man sweats in my presence. Do you know when they, made, when, when they called the children of Israel to build an altar? You know what he said to them? He said, you put any rock there that's been, been chipped out by man, I will reject. I want natural rocks. I want no man. Friends, they're not telling you something. You can reign in life. Well, how do I reign in life? By the abundance of grace. Ooh, and this free gift of righteousness that he gives me. Wow. 
So that's what God wants for us. He wants us to reign in love. You know, it's coming back to the Adam and Eve when he said to him, let me talk to, to Kwam. But he's coming back to Adam and Eve and, he's, and he said, you know, you must be fruitful, multiply, and I want you to take dominion and I want you to subdue. He wants us to reign in life. He wants us to rule, not people, life. He wants us to rule in life. That's his desire for the people of God. Rule, reign in life. Love people, reign in life. That's his goal for us. That's his goal for the church. What happens though is that a whole lot of people get born again and when they get born again, they come into the life of the church and the church fills them with activities. They've got a whole bunch of activities in the church. It's exhausting doing all these activities. But how many know you can be doing a whole bunch of activities but not reigning in life? So you've got a whole bunch of people that come to church they come to a building to do a whole bunch of stuff and to do, and, and I'm on this team and that team and whatever, but I'm not reigning in life. And then when life gets really hard for them, friends, they sit there exhausted and they go, I have to give up those things that I was doing in the activities because I'm exhausted. Something's wrong with that picture. It's not church, friends. And I'm saying all of this to try and encourage and say, just be careful that we've led a political spirit or religious spirits dictate what churches. You see, we can be so busy with a whole lot of activities, but not allowing God. We never learn how to deal with our thought life, our emotions, how to bring things into alignment. How to live in a place where you rule over money. Money does not rule over you. Where debt does not become your master. You see, and what's happened in the church is we neglect these matters because we think we need to give attention to spiritual things. Oh, I'm opening a door now. The reality is, friends, there's nothing more spiritual than money. A huge percentage of Jesus' parables, a huge percentage of Jesus' parables was on money. I'm not talking about money today, so you can all calm down. You can put a smile back on your face. Now, how many understand and know that God often works in the natural before he works in the spirit? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46. The Bible says, first the natural, then the spiritual. Amen. First there was the natural lamb. Then there was the spiritual lamb. First there was natural Israel. Then there was spiritual Israel. Amen. First there was natural man, Adam. And then second Adam from heaven, spiritual Adam. There are natural illustrations that lead to spiritual breakthroughs. See, we take a whole bunch of our life and we put it in as natural. And we're going after all spiritual things. This is spiritual things. But friends, those are your breakthrough. And Jesus knew that, friends. Money is the most spiritual thing that you can ever do with money. It will bring release and breakthrough, friends. He said, I can't trust you with the true riches.
Water baptism, it's a natural act that releases a spiritual breakthrough. Amen? Physical obedience brings spiritual release. He wants to develop a group of people that know how to think in this life. They know how to surrender. They know how to let Jesus operate in and through their life. They know how to let the Holy Spirit move them and lead them. And they know how to reign in this life. God wants us to reign in life. He wants us to become a city on a hill. Just for your information, a city on a hill is not our church gatherings. Oh, that didn't go down well. Let me, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, just very quickly, I'll just read it. Matthew chapter 5, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it it gives light to all in the house. In In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, who is in heaven. Our lives are the light. As much as I do like our gatherings together, our gatherings together is not what we are drawing people to. Oops. Had to get this one in. We are drawing people into a way of life. Spiritual, political spirit, or religious spirit? According to the Bible, as good as our gatherings are, we are not drawing people to our gatherings. We are supposed to be drawing people to a way of life. We can't draw people into a way of life if we do not know that way of life. Amen? I I can't hang around there. Let me just end with this. I'm landing. Bear with me. In the Bible, Abraham. There's Abraham and Lot. They're family, right? In Romans, I think it's chapter 4, verse, couple of verses, I think verse 3, whatever, it says that Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. So you've got righteous Abraham, And then you've got Lot, and 2 Peter 2 verse 7, it says, righteous Lot. So you've got Abraham who's righteous, you've got Lot who's righteous, you've got Abraham who influences his circumstances and surroundings, and you've got Lot, 2 Peter 2 verse 7 verse 8, it says that he was influenced. We know his story, right? So what actually, it's not righteousness, oh, let me... Let me phrase this exactly right, so because this, this tricked me. Righteousness is not what affects our surroundings. See, both were righteous. One affected their surroundings. One was affected by their surroundings. So it can't be righteousness that affects our surroundings. 
That's why you can have a believer who is living a very righteous life, but still having very little effect on the community around them. So here's my illustration. I'm landing. You take a plate of food. You take a salt shaker. You pop the lid off and you pour the salt in a big pile on the plate next to your food. And you say, we're having great influence. See, you have to take the salt and you have to sprinkle it over the food to have influence. Right? I'm sharing these to stir up our thinking about church. We're not just a group of people gathering in a building. And if there wasn't a building, do you still have the church? Now, please, nobody run out of here and panic about, no, well, there wasn't a building. I'm trying to build an understanding here. That we're not gathering people to a building. We're gathering them to a way of life. Amen? Otherwise, we start getting mindsets, friends. Mindsets that come to a building so they understand a certain thing. So when they come here, friends, there's a, only a small group of people that have to perform for them. That's where it starts to develop because of the nature of what we actually are doing. It's not in the Bible, but we're doing it, right? So I'm saying I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just trying to explain something. Then when you do come here, it's kind of like, Worship was good this morning. Well, actually, I like that church because of their worship. Then you've got a, a team of people who are highly skilled, who now have been practicing since 3 o'clock in the morning. And by 9 o'clock, they are so pumped up, they're on cloud up there. They are just, whoo, you can actually see angels just like swimming around them and having fun. They're like, whoo. And here you've got a guy. He's got his twins, or a lady and a guy, and uh, they're trying to get these twins together, and they whoopsie right before they're about to leave church, and they've got to change and do all of that, and they arrive at church at 5 past 9, or 9.35 in our case, and they're like late, whatever, but they've got you, and everyone's going, and the worship leader's standing up there, he's ready on cloud nine, he's going, oh, jeez, what's going on, where's these people at, what's happening? The reality is, friends, is that worship is actually a lifestyle. And actually, that person has come there with worship. They've worshipped already. They, they've paid a price to get there with their little kids and everything, and they might be five minutes late, but they are worshipping the Lord. And I tell you, when they stand before God, the worship is just oozing out of their life. And the guy who's standing up there, Kumbaya on his guitar, he can play 17 chords and do 14 riffs in three seconds or whatever. Friends, God is hearing nothing. All he's hearing is an arrogant heart. But I go away going, whoa, worship was good today. Whoa, check that out. Awesome. I'm just challenging mindsets. I'm, I, I, and honestly, I'm saying here this morning categorically, 
gospel for everybody. I love gathering together, and I love having a team of musicians that know how to lead us. That's awesome. And this morning was phenomenal, right? But I'm just saying, make sure we aren't, we don't have mindsets that have crept in when actually we're supposed to be reigning in life and drawing people into our lives in loving God. Amen? That's why, friends, when we're going through difficult times and suddenly we can't do this, that, or the other at the place, it, sh- it shouldn't be wobbling us because we do life with each other. If I'm trying to encourage the church. If, if the only time you see me is on a Sunday, then you might get upset if something comes in the way of you seeing me. But I want to say we get gathered together not to see me. We gather together to see him. But you get to see me throughout the week. Now I've left, I've, I haven't had enough time to unpack it, so I'm just leaving a mess out there right now. <laughs> Best I could do is leave you with a mess. So you have to come next week so I can pull it all together. Because <laughs> time has gone by and I don't want to, the people are like, okay, no, just you're digging even more holes. All I want to I share with us is that there were mindsets that it has taken me two years to process. Two years. I'm not expecting the church to catch it like this, but it's taken me two years of understanding how we have set up church versus the early church. And just in case anybody out there, I want to quickly just shoot this thing in the foot. Um, the way we've done um, home churches, I'm not, I'm not an advocate of, we just do our own little home church. Okay, I'm not, I'm, so just so you know, up front, I'm not, I'm trying to go after the word. I'm trying to see what the word is saying, trying to be biblical. So I'm trying to unpack what it looks like for a community of believers to do life together, to reign in life, and to gather. So that we can just be the expression of the body of Christ that He wants us to. That the Word, that there's signs and wonders following the preaching of the Word. That there's, there's a, uh, the Word's living and it's active. Amen? That it's displaying the true nature and character of God. I'm trying to outwork that, and I think he's, he's given me a, a great strategy. Amen. So I want to encourage us. Don't you want to stand this morning? I am so excited about what God's doing. It scares the heck out of me. I feel like, um, I must be honest, um, sometimes when you pioneer something, it's very hard to find a whole bunch of people out there doing the same thing, or that can come and hold your hand and make you feel good. <laughs> but I honestly, I don't mind and don't care anymore. Um, I really don't. I want to be obedient to the Lord. And um, in this regard, church, I'm, I'm like the piggy. I'm putting the bacon all in. I'm not just a hen popping an egg. <laughs> Um, and if the egg, you don't eat the egg, well, then I'll just go find another hen house. Um, 
honestly, I, I believe so much in this. You can know as the pastor of the church, I am, I am fully convinced of where God's taking us. And, um, and I'm so all in on this. And my whole family is all in. And I just believe that this is something for us, uniquely for us uh, as a body, um, that God wants us to journey. Um, and he's given us this amazing property, and I just um, finally realized how the property fits in and how God wants to do that with the property and with us, us as believers. And I'm just standing with you today and saying, if you don't understand anything that I've said, just go and listen to it again. Just meditate on it. Just let your mind be expanded. Let your mind begin to think outside the box. Um, um, and um, just let the ducks wander around and <laughs> quack. At 3 o'clock this morning, I woke up, and I was in such turmoil inside, and I kept on hearing the Lord say to me, discern the times and the season. When Jesus, before he was born before, and he was born, the scribes said that no prophet came from Galilee, but they didn't understand or know the scriptures, because scriptures pointed to that he would come from Galilee. And the Lord said to me this morning, you will not see me or know me outside of Scripture. And just over and over, discern the times, discern the season, and you will not know me or recognize me outside of Scripture. And then I saw this heart that was ripped out, and it was full of stones and dust. And then I was reminded of the Scripture in Joshua, where he said, where Joshua stood, and there was this man that stood before him with a sword. And Joshua said to him, are you for me or against me? And he said, neither. I'm the prince of peace and I come from the captain of hosts. And he said, but you will not see and understand or move into the healing of the heart unless you stand. Because then he said to Joshua, take off your shoes because you are standing on holy ground. And it's like we will discern him and see him. And the healing is there. I mean, it's our inheritance. But if we look for it anywhere but except in the scripture, Jesus cannot become flesh in our hearts. Let us discern the times and the season, for the captain of hosts is standing for you. Thank you, Lord. If you're comfortable, let's just lift our hands to the Lord with that word. Oh, we love you, Jesus. You are worthy. Just as we were singing this morning, just worthy, 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 worthy. Sometimes I, I feel like, you know, when you stand in the presence of the Lord, all our fancy songs, all the words, they just disappear. Like the angels that stand before God, holy, holy, holy. There's no other song, there's no other words, just worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Jesus. Lord, we just stand before you as a group of people this morning and I stand with fear and trembling and just say, Lord, I don't want people 
to follow Grant. I want them to follow the word. And I want to say like Paul and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Lord, I pray before the people, Lord, that I am listening and following the word. And therefore they can follow me. But I ask this morning, Lord God, that not because I said something, but simply, Lord God, because it's the word that we would go and meditate. Just go and listen and wait on the Lord and hear his word. Because to enter into this promised land, I didn't get to it this morning, but God gave me Joshua chapter 1. And he promises a whole lot of stuff to Joshua, which is, I'm going to give you your promised land exactly. He even designates the area and the place where it's, everybody's going to be able to inherit. And he tells them to be strong and courageous. But he just gave them one little thing. He said, meditate on my word day and night. Church is the word that's going to give us our inheritance. It's the word that's going to take us into all that he has for us. So I just come before you right now, Lord. Good background music. I just, I just commit us as a family before you, Lord God. I say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. And I pray, God, that we would seek first the king and his domain. And the rest will sort itself out, Lord. So I pray today for every single person, Lord God, that they not be shaken or swayed. Let them stand on the rock that's with us, that's in us. His name is Jesus. Let's believe him. Let's trust him. And let's walk with him and let him lead us out of the wilderness and into the promised land. I ask this in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And I pray even now, Lord God, that as we go out in this week, Lord God, that we would put more and more trust, less and less trying, less sweat and tears, more faith and trust, and just allow you to be God in our lives. And to watch the miraculous signs and wonders just following the word. Because we are living an active word. Word that's become flesh. Word that's become alive in our businesses, in our places where we meet the Lord. And just let the signs and wonders follow. You just be obedient. You just do what God's called you to do. First the natural just do what God's called you to do in the natural. Let the spiritual follow. So I'm asking this in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. I love this group of people. Lord God, I thank you for every single one of them. I thank you for their amazing hearts. And I trust you, Lord God, as we step into our destiny together, we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. Bless your people as they go out, Father. May they go out blessed. May they go out encouraged. Because the word is with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stay and have some fellowship and encourage one another. Please stay and enjoy a bit of Hebrews. And uh, yeah.
yeah, just... Courty comes back this week. Woohoo! I have missed her. And two more sleeps, and then she's back. And uh, yay, we look forward to it, church. Please uh, spend the whole week just getting ready and excited and stirred up, reading the Word, praying, practicing your dance moves, whatever you need to do um, to get ready for, for this weekend that's coming. Amen. I just sense there's something greater than just a 24-hour thing over every one of our lives. Bless you. Love every single one of you. If you're needing prayer, please come to the front. I'll stand with you in faith and believe with you for a miracle. That's who our God is. Amen. Bless you.